what is the culture that I want to feel good within when I go into my restaurant? Um, and then being sure that, okay, now that I know it, how do I communicate that? How do I live that out? How, how am I the role model day in, day out, being super intentional with those things, they, those messages coming across? Welcome to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. Do you wish your employees were more engaged? Do you want your people to look forward to going to work? Join us as we discover ways to define, measure, and grow your culture. We'll also discover pitfalls to help you avoid common mistakes. We want to help you intentionally build a culture that fits you. Hey, Stefan, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on the Build Your Culture Brand podcast and excited to get to know you a little bit better. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. So just for the audience, I got to know Stefan a couple of years ago. In fact, uh, he's, he's a client of ours, him and his team, and you can share a little bit more about yourself in a minute about where you are there in Phoenix. But funny thing, I almost didn't get to know Stefan because he, he wrote me an email and somehow Stefan, your email went to my spam filter. It wasn't, uh, don't take it personal. Like, <laughs> like it went to spam. And so then I think you texted me or called me and I, I went to search for your name, you know, to, to kind of respond. And all of a sudden I see this, uh, spam message from you who's like oh man and so I was glad we got to connect and get to know you and and serve your team we've been uh, working with you all for a couple of years now and coaching your leaders so tell us a little bit about where you are there in phoenix yeah so my restaurant is a south mountain freestanding restaurant we are just about 10 minutes south of the phoenix airport um, it's a really beautiful location it literally looks right over this mountain um, that you can see from the front counter. And we've been open there for uh, four years now. And I think it's funny that you mentioned the the spam email because I remember reaching out and hearing of you guys and being like, I need something for my team. I need something for my directors. And so I was kind of in, in that moment, like, hey, this guy was working for other people. Like, this is so great. I'm going to reach out. And then to get radio silence, I was like, oh, no. It was just part of the course where I feel like everything during that grand opening experience that was just like, you have all these great ideas and then just like they don't always come to fruition. And so then, yeah, when I reached out again, I was like, please, please, I need this help. And so. So sorry. Yeah. Well, hopefully all the timing worked out well. And, and uh, so I was glad we got to get connected. And, and I've had the pr 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 uh, privilege of being there at your location. Uh, by the way, yeah. it's a it's a Chick-fil-A there in South Mountain um, in Phoenix. So, yeah, right there on the south side. And as I've come to get to know Phoenix. Phoenix is such an amazing city. I mean, it's huge. You know, you've got South Mountain and I guess, is there a North Mountain? Uh, there is, I don't know, I don't know if it's a North Mountain as it's been described, but basically, yeah, we are at the very Southern part of like okay. what feels like the Phoenix Valley. And as you're driving up and down the highways out here, it's mountains to your East, mountains to your West. There are mountains to the North and then obviously South Mountain as well. Um, just kind of creating this like little valley um that phoenix sits within uh just yeah it's, it's very cool very cool place to be it is such a beautiful area and um i know i i know you have a jeep and it looks like you love to off-road and that kind of thing so it yeah. looks like a, a great place to to do that i've done a little fly fishing in that area up in the kind of up in those hills so such a pretty place to live um but you you have this team tell me a little bit about your your location and kind of uh what's unique about chick-fil-a south mountain 
Yeah, it's a great question. For us, it's um, been interesting to be a part of the community that we're a part of. Um, Chick-fil-A, uh, when they built the restaurant, I would say they're probably five years after a bunch of kind of changeover for the demographic, for the area. Um, we weren't the first big brand to go in, um, but there was a lot of hesitancy, I think, for a lot of brands to be in our area. We are a community that was somewhat forgotten about by the city of Phoenix. Um, so you hear the stories from the locals feeling like, you know, hey, like, when is it our turn to get some development? When is it our turn to have cool things come? When is it our turn? You know, even the community college um, built across the street, there was this question of like, will they have enough people who will want to attend college in this community? You know, so this community was feeling a lot of that. And so when we got to come in, it was like this like breath of fresh air for the community feeling like, oh, we deserve a Chick-fil-A. This is so great. Like this is going to be such a big boost to our overall community. Uh, and to see the change even since then, you know, that we have other major brands, their eyes finally open to the South Phoenix area saying like, oh, what could we do there? You know, and seeing places like Raising Cane's and In-N-Out and these other restaurants that are coming in to really try to change over the culture to make, you know, the community of South Mountain feel like, yeah, this is a community that's deserving of nice things and advancement and development and improvement. Um, it's just been, it's been very cool. And so to see that even within our team as well, um, the people who come on just kind of like wide-eyed looking for something to do, right? Um, right. They didn't really know what experience or what opportunities are there for them, but to be able to join a team, join a culture that's committed to growth, and then to watch them grow and develop along the way, really to step into some things that for them, maybe they didn't think was possible. You know, maybe they're the first person in their family to get into a leadership type role or position. Um, and so for me, that's really powerful for me to be able to provide those types of opportunities. That's amazing. I mean, I heard you use culture twice in, in that too. And mm -hmm. of course this is, you know, build your culture brand, but I think it's interesting that we really can talk about the culture that is kind of our community and, the culture you're you're coming into, you're having an influence on. It sounds like y'all been able to really have an an impact and influence around you, but also you mentioned culture as part of the team that these people are are joining in on and they're they're able to, you know, maybe develop their own leadership. They're able to be a part of a team. And so I, I love how you kind of dove into those two sides of culture. So Kind of want to get to know you a little bit today, um, and and just as a fun question, so Stefan, what is what would you say is your leadership uh, superpower? That's a great question, and it's funny enough, it's actually came about in one of our uh, group coaching conversations. Um, I was sitting in with our director team, and um, we were giving compliments to one another. I think that was like the exercise was you know just encouragement and whatnot. And one of my directors, and I'll never forget this, she looked at me and she was just like, you know, you have this really scary but awesome ability to get people to do what you want them to do. <laughs> and I was just like, huh, <laughs> what? Um, and she was like, yeah, for whatever reason, like you're just able to convince people that what you want them to do is the thing they ought to do. And she's like, I've never seen you fail at that. Like, that's really impressive. And so, yeah, it was something that I feel like I've never uh communicated that way for you know myself but once i heard that i was like huh i guess that is true that is what i'm you know uniquely good at um i think if convincing people to kind of like yeah like come on to my side this is how it's gonna be better for you it's gonna be better for everyone 
I'm really trying to spend that time to do that. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's kind of that woo idea from string finders or something. So they're mm. and it sounds like they end up kind of thinking it's their idea. So love yeah. how you engage them in that way. So then on the opposite side of that, and it could be even the same, you know, same thing, but what would be then your yeah. leadership kryptonite? Yeah, that it's funny because it's again, it's like almost like you said it, it's this opposite side of the same coin. I think the kryptonite is making sure that when people aren't doing what I've, you know, convinced them to do, um, it's that accountability piece. I think that's something that I always struggle with. Um, you know, for me as a leader, I like to trust people a lot. I like to give a lot of responsibility. I think that's the best way that people grow. Um, but I've, what I'm recently learning is I have to come back behind that with a pretty strong amount of accountability and especially be willing to give harsh feedback sometimes to really make sure that everything like comes full circle. Because if I can convince them to do it, that sounds great. But if they don't end up actually doing it the way I think they ought to be done or, or again, doing it to their fullest potential. Um, and that's where like, I need to be willing to kind of step in, provide feedback, provide coaching um, and, and get them to move forward. I just prefer to live in a trusting environment okay. where I just believe that people are doing what they ought to be doing. I think that's burned me a couple of times in my career, but the, where I'd rather live is that the, again, like foundation of trust. Um, yeah. That's what I would rather build my, my team around, build my culture around. And so it's, I think it's hard sometimes for me to notice um, when feedback is necessary, especially when hard feedback and accountability is necessary. I think I'm, I lean so much into the trusting side of things yeah. um, that I sometimes don't catch it right away. That's, but I mean, it's good that you're aware of that. And I mean, if you're going to err on one side, it is beautiful to be able to err on the side of trust, right? I mean, trust is really what keeps an organization strong and going forward. And so good, good for you for leading with trust, but yeah, something to, yeah. to work on as far as holding people accountable. So you, you're a, you're a Chick-fil-A operator and yep. what about four years you said? So four years here in South Mountain, okay. um, I was actually an operator for five years prior to that in New Jersey in a mall okay. restaurant. And so what was the, you know, think back nine years, right? So what, what mm -hmm. was that thing that led you to decide, hey, I think I'm going to do this Chick-fil-A operator thing. How did you get to that decision point? Yeah. And for me, it was to be able to provide the opportunity that I had. Um, I grew up in a home that was... Um, you know, not like, I guess, uh, not lower class, but kind of lower middle class, I guess. And we had good opportunities growing up, but I never really, um, had a ton of opportunities for myself. Uh, so when I found Chick-fil-A, it provided this place for me that was, um, the space where I learned to be a little bit more outgoing. I learned to talk to people, um, talk to strangers more specifically, um, you know, and I developed all these like leadership skills and these opportunities for me to just grow. And so when the time came for me to graduate college and figure out like, what is it that I want to be doing with my life? I'd always thought running a business would be opportunity would provide for me to be a great father one day and Chick-fil-A adding the values that they brought, the opportunities that they gave me as a young person. I was like, this is a perfect blend of my opportunity to go ahead and do the same thing for others that I get to provide this space for young people to come and to grow and to learn 
and to better their own future. I, there's no way I'd be where I am today if it wasn't for Chick-fil-A. Um, and so for me to be able to provide those same opportunities for others, like that's what keeps me passionate about being an operator. Obviously the job itself is pretty fun and it's enjoyable and I like doing what I'm doing. I love the brand. Um, but really for me, more than anything, it was this opportunity to provide a brighter future for young people. Um, I think Chick-fil-A is special in that way. Yeah. Well, that sounds like that's really attached to your why. I mean, it, it's not, it's not just a job. There's something more to it. And it's even more than, you know, serving chicken and, and the, the, just the, the food aspect of it. Right. It's about yeah. influencing lives, providing jobs, developing leaders. Mm -hmm. I love hearing that from you. So I'll think back at all, you know, nine, 10, however many years back, and in that interview process, now there might be some listening that are thinking, hey, I might like to become an operator. So yeah. now the that candidate thing has changed over the years. I mean, even in nine <laughs> years, even the last couple of years, it, it keeps changing. But yeah, if you think back to that time, what do you feel like during the interview process were some of the things or maybe one specific thing that maybe helped push you to the front of the line? Because you're competing against thousands of other people, right, for these, this role, yeah. what do you feel like might have mm -hmm. pushed you ahead? Yeah, I think it's uh, potentially two things that I really tried to hone in on when I was in my own leadership journey before becoming an operator while working for Chick-fil-A. Um, but I had to learn along the way some uh, balance between humility and confidence. Uh, I think that's the thing that when I was young i was really almost like too humble and not humble in the sense but just like not willing to talk about myself very much I had a hard time explaining my own strengths um but then at the same time like when i was put into certain leadership positions and i knew what i was doing i had a tendency to kind of come off into this arrogance and so throughout my chick-fil-a journey as a director it was learning to balance those two things how could i communicate my strengths how could I communicate what I'm capable of with a sense of humility, not to say that I know everything, you know, I'm still willing to learn. I'm still willing to grow, but at the same time, you can have confidence in me that I will figure it out. I think that was those kind of questions in the interview, you know, and I was only 23 at the time. And so for me to be able to communicate at an early age, like, Hey, I don't think I know everything but I'm pretty confident in my ability to figure it out along the way. And then backing that up with, here are some of the things I've done, you know, like there are some actual tangible results that I can speak to and speak to with some confidence. Um, I think that that balance is, is important. I think when we think about, especially the Chick-fil-A culture and who they're looking for, that's a, it's a really important balance to have. So Stefan, you're, you're surrounded by operators there in Phoenix. I think there's something like 27 operators around you. What, what are some things you do, even outside the Phoenix area or maybe even beyond your industry to, to surround yourself with people that are kind of two steps ahead of you. How do you engage in that way? Yeah, I think that goes back to that first and foremost humility to say that, you know, I am in this role, you know, obviously I, at 23, I got to check the box that I'm an operator, which puts me on an even playing field with all of these phenomenal leaders and most of them who've been doing it longer than I had been, especially here in Phoenix. And so I think the humility to say, hey, I'm gonna be willing to ask some questions 
around some things that even though I'm playing the same role as you, I can admit the fact that, um, you know, I don't have it quite all figured out right now. Um, I would love to spend some time to connect, to ask good questions, um, to figure those things out uh, for myself and to be able to continue to grow. I think everyone's got a different perspective when it comes to being an operator and running a business. So starting with humility is, is step number one. I think after that, it's knowing who you want to emulate. There's, like I said, very okay. many different ways to be an operator. And so I think looking out and saying, okay, who is doing it the way that I think I would like to do it one day? Um, you know, there's some operators who are really engaged with their team. There are some operators who sit back and let their team lead. And so trying to figure out what kind of operator you want to be and then reaching out to those specifically to make sure that you get some tips and best practices from them. Uh, that's going to be really helpful. Um, so, yeah, I've been really intentional with just asking those questions, finding those operators, you know, and being and being willing to ask. You know, as you say that, that there are some operators that operate kind of more engaged, more like directive, and then some mm -hmm. that are more letting others lead. There's really, and as I've talked to you, I mean, I don't, I don't think you think there's like a wrong way to do it, but you're saying no. I'm looking for the ones that kind of like my style, like how I think I would want to emulate. Is that, is that what you're thinking there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something too, as you grow into Chick-fil-A, you know, especially for me, my story, and I know most others uh, who come from within Chick-fil-A, you really only experience one operator, maybe two, before True. you become an operator, you know? And so how can you, when you get there and when you're the operator, when you're having to make a decision for you and for yourself, how you want to lead, I think broadening your, you know, horizon a little bit to see a bunch of different perspectives. Because again, my operator is not wrong, but he's one way of doing it, you know? And so I think that took me a long time to learn that I could be different than my operator and that there were other operators that, again, maybe I could bring in some little pieces along the way to formulate my own style of leadership. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's a right or a wrong. There's just what fits, what fits for you and your own leadership style. And even some of my best friends do it differently than I do. Okay. Yeah. And so and that, which leads into kind of another thought I, I was wondering what strategies then do you use kind of throughout the year to make sure you're bumping into rubbing shoulders communicating with other leaders how do you do that yeah first and foremost in phoenix it's uh, market meetings so if you've got market meetings like go to them i think that's something that you know for us here in phoenix have been established prior to me joining the market um, so it was awesome i got to just kind of like fold into it um, but I've been really intentional across my entire career and, you know, in New Jersey as well with when there are market meetings and operators are getting together, be there. Like first and foremost, just show up. <laughs> They're going to talk about things. They're going to be explaining things. They're going to be wrestling with questions um, that you're also probably wrestling with, that you're also probably thinking through. So first and foremost, just showing up and building relationships, I think okay. is critical. Um, and then after that, being willing to Go outside of your market, take some excellence trips, you know, who's an operator that you've heard of or that you see speaking at next, um, you know, or seminar. And how can you shoot an email? How can you go out and actually take a trip? What if you invited a few other operators to go with you? Um, for me, that's where those market meetings that are happening, you know, every other month or so, and then at least one excellence trip a year. That's really, really important for me to be able to, again, constantly be sharpening myself, sharpening my skills when I go and visit other restaurants and other operators. 
Great, great strategy, great suggestions. What's a, a recent excellence trip that you've taken? Yeah, so actually last year, uh, the operator team uh, that I'm on, the Arizona East Market, we went to the Portland and Seattle area. Um, so it was my first time in the Pacific Northwest. My wife was actually a little jealous I didn't take her with me. Um, but it was a really great time to learn from a bunch of operators. We actually got to spend time with Brian Hogan, who had just been selected for a multi-restaurant. And so it was really cool to hear his perspective on his business and how he was growing it. Um, he had a Calendly, which I had never heard of at the time, a Calendly set up for all of his team members to be able to just set up an interview with him, set up a meeting with him. Um, that was something I immediately was able to institute in my own business was that was, you know, a quick link and then shoot it up to the team and then just see who's wanting to have a conversation, who's wanting to hang out. Um, but it was really cool just to see how available he was to his team, how much he was willing to give of his own time. Um, so yeah, it was something that I was able to bring back to my own restaurant right away. It was great. Stefan, I love your story. You're an amazing operator. So what are some things that uh, you feel like you've learned from other operators, maybe a veteran operator? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, most recently for me, we are having some issues and I know a lot of operators are experiencing this, but with profitability, we're just struggling, trying to figure out like, what could we do to continue to raise the needle um, when it came to this obviously critical part of the business. Um, and coming from a mall restaurant, I had kind of always viewed my freestanding opportunity as like, hey, this is when I get to invest in my team. I get to go and do as much as I possibly can to invest in my team. I get to not really think about the, the money side of things. Um, as much. And I had a veteran operator, Bruce Plosers, right down the road. He was uh, sitting with me one day and he was like, yeah, but let's actually think about this. So it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but when you add that up for an entire year, you're spending $6,000 to do X, whatever. And I was like, huh? Yeah, you're right. And so that kind of like mindset around just because the resources are there, just because we have the sales coming in, doesn't mean it's always smart or always best to spend it. It's always best to just like, oh, this investment will pay off. He was really intentional about, but could you do this for cheaper? Or could you be more strategic to make sure you're validating the return on investment from this investment that you're making? I think that was a piece that, you know, for me growing up in Chick-fil-A, never really had to think about. It was just kind of like, I just followed the footsteps of the people who were investing, um, wanting to do everything that everybody else was doing. But Bruce really sat me down and was like, well, this is your business though. And so let's evaluate these things. Let's examine these costs and what you're actually doing and see if it makes sense for you as it's like actually creating a return or not. Um, and so that was just really helpful. Just something I, I needed to hear in that moment. And I'm really appreciative for Bruce, for again, for being willing to kind of have that conversation with me on that. All right. Shout out to Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. And Bruce is actually a guest, has been a guest on this show. So y'all can, if you haven't heard that episode, jump back and, and get to know Bruce as well. But that's amazing that you were able to have that time for him to invest in you. And sounds like you went to him with the right questions. So good, good for you to, for doing that. So if you're now put yourself in a, a different position, let's think of you as you're two steps ahead of somebody else. You know, somebody's kind of two steps behind you. What what would be some things you would want to communicate to them? Like, hey, I wish I'd have known or just something to keep in mind that someone who's just right behind you there. Yeah, I think the the best 
advice or, or again, some of the, some of the bigger regrets that I've had in my career is just being unprepared for opportunity. I think, you know, Truett used to talk a lot about just seizing it opportunity and seizing moments. Um, I think for me, it's this balance that I'm trying to play between viewing the future as, you know, with an open hand, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure what opportunities are going to come around, um, but being really intentional at the same time to say, but how could I prepare my leaders for whatever opportunity? might come? How do I prepare my business to still be strong, to still be viable, to still be healthy for whatever opportunity may come? Um, you know, Chick-fil-A delivery kind of came in the middle of, you know, COVID kind of out of nowhere, but because we had so many capable leaders who weren't specialists, they were just good leaders. We were able to get it up and running, get it started, assign a leader to it, and then work along the way to kind of figure out the kinks. Um, but I think that's kind of always going to be my positioning for myself and i think what the if again early on in your chick-fil-a career if you can do that to be a little bit further ahead in leadership development than you ought to be maybe um it's going to set you up well for the growth i think we've all experienced now i've heard you mention this before on, in other conversations so i want i want to unpack that just a little bit something you said about not being a specialist, but being more of a, a round, I don't know how you would describe a well-rounded leader, but someone who's ready. Unpack that just a little bit. What do you mean by that type of leader? Yeah. So I think the leadership that I mean is somebody who's able to first and foremost lead themselves. I think that's super critical. That's the foundation um, to be able to lead others, to be able to communicate, to be able to delegate things well. Um, and to be able to lead in results, to be able to understand numbers, to be able to be able to quantify certain things, be able to set targets and set goals. I think those foundational elements of leadership are really important, but those are things you can teach without it needing to be, hey, I need you to do all these things and it's only going to make sense in the drive through or hey, these things are only going to make sense in the kitchen. If you can teach those things, you can almost place a leader anywhere. Because the leadership challenges, the leadership struggles are going to be more or less similar. They're going to be about how are they taking care of themselves? How are they leading others? How are they understanding the results that they're getting or not getting? And so by building that foundation of more generalists, um, we're able to kind of plug and play leaders wherever the business needs them. I think that constant change and constant um, innovation that we're experiencing means that a leadership opportunity is likely to exist a year from now that doesn't currently exist that we are not even thinking about yet. So by building those leaders, when we get there, they'll be ready. Stefan, that's, that's really good. I love it's brilliant because you're talking about being kind of uh, adaptable. You're ready to move, ready to take on an opportunity. And mm -hmm. you're looking at how your leaders are, are equipped for that. I can see how, you know, helping them, like letting them specialize too far could create a limiting factor for you in the future. So thanks for kind of unpacking that for us. That's Absolutely. good. Do you, how do you develop adaptability in people who you feel like they might be a little bit resistant to being adaptive, more of generalist? How do you help them push those edges of becoming a generalist? Yeah, I think it's being honest about the skill gaps. You know, we try to do what we can to uh, help people understand their, 
opportunities is probably the best word, right? And but I have them, you have them, we all have opportunities. Yeah. And so it's not something that we want people to be afraid of or to balk at or to try to hide. You know, we want people to be well aware of, oh, this is an area of leadership where I struggle. Um, so let me work on that. Let me develop that. Let me practice that skill potentially, um, you know, to give them that opportunity to become a little bit more well-rounded. I think, you know, my journey and my story, um, you know, as a young high school kid, I didn't really like to talk to people. Uh, my family all the time used to make jokes or whatever about I wasn't even willing to go get ketchup from restaurants, you know, because I wasn't willing to ask the question of a stranger. Um, yeah. But Chick-fil-A and that opportunity for me to lead um, really kind of forced myself to grow in that area. And so I think viewing these deficiencies and viewing these opportunities, these weaknesses as potential future strengths or future abilities, we can be better about opening them up, practicing, trying new things, um, and putting them in a position to do that, giving them that opportunity. How many times do we see weakness as a like a permanent thing? And how amazing mm -hmm. it, I mean, I love how you've just taken that and you just reformed it into saying, no, actually, if I work really hard at this, this area, I build some skills around this, this could actually become a strength of mine because I'm much more aware of the need for it. So, man, tremendous. I, mm -hmm. I hope that's an encouragement to one of our listeners out there that's feeling kind of shackled by a weakness and they, they just could build some skills around that, get some mentoring, grow in that area and actually end up with a strength. So good, good encouragement from you. So you were kind of also thinking here too, in this question of your two steps forward, their two steps back, but, but now talk to them and, and help them balance living in today, but also kind of looking forward to the future. How do, where should their focus be or how do they balance those two business horizons, you know, to look at the business horizon of the moment, but also see the business horizon of the future? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the leadership challenge. I think especially at the top, you know, we are the people who are going to outlast everybody else in our organization, you know, to some degree, like we will be here the longest, we have to be able to see the furthest. Um, we have to be able to cast that really strong vision for our team. And so, you know, Tim uh, Tisopoulos, it was a few years ago at Next, he just kind of threw out the question like, hey, what do you want your business to look like at 2030? Um, and this was, you know, 2021, uh, 20, something like that. Um, you know, and I hadn't really ever thought about it in that way. You know, I'm still really young. And so there's this kind of like, um, I don't know, default belief that like now is the only thing that matters or something, you know, as if there's no future ever coming, like I'm just living in the now. Um, but forcing myself through that kind of encouragement from Tim to say, wow, okay, my business, if it grows at its current rate in 2030, that business is going to be $20 million. How am I preparing myself and my leaders today to get there? I think you have to be able to see those gaps. You have to be able to say, what is it that I want to be true about my business at that point. And you can reel in the time frame. I think it's probably easier to think about that in a two or three year, you know, stint. But what are those gaps? What are those things that if I want to be known as the best restaurant in Phoenix for drive through speed, well, what are the things that we need to figure out today mm -hmm. to be building to that tomorrow? And then being comfortable. 
with the gap existing, you know, instead of trying today to be the best in Phoenix, you know, like that might not be possible for us, but if we're intentional and if we're consistent and if we put in the time that could very well be possible for us in the next 18 to 24 months. And so how do we get comfortable living in that gap? I think that's my job. I think that is what I do in the business is I've view the gaps. I see the gaps. I'm willing to sit in them to encourage and to, uh, you know, send accolades to give kudos to the team for their success today while never losing sight of still how far we have to go. Um, so it's a hard, it's a hard balance, but I think it's one that is important. That's good. That's good. I love that phrase, getting comfortable in the gap. So mm-hmm. there's, there's the whole thing about being aware of the gap, you know, knowing kind of seeing those two horizons, knowing the future, looking at today. Thanks for putting some language around that, getting comfortable in the gap. Mm-hmm. Hey, Stefan, in the last couple of weeks, I know all the Chick-fil-A operators just got together in San Diego for their annual meeting. And one of the one of the big statements from uh, Andrew Cathy, the, the CEO of Chick-fil-A, he really put that out there that that this, you know, culture is really important and that culture is going to either happen by default or by design. Those were kind of the words that he used. What coming out of that, what what are some of the things that you feel like are are now front of mind for you, things that you you want to really put some energy into for your business? Yeah. Well, I think especially that idea of being culture being by design and not by default, um, having to really get clear for myself on what is that culture that I want. Um, I've defined it as a few different ways of we want to be purpose driven, we want to be growth minded, and we want to be kind in all things. And so taking that time to really establish that for myself of what is the culture that I want to feel good within when I go into my restaurant, um, and then being sure that, okay, now that I know it, how do I communicate that? How do I live that out? How, how am I the role model day in, day out, being super intentional with those things, they, those messages coming across? Um, I think culture for me, before Andrew's message, it was kind of like a, a word that defined whatever was going on in the business. You know, it's like the culture that the business itself just creates. I think Andrew really reminded us that we have to be doing it by design, be intentional. It's daily work. Um, and that if we can build a good enough culture, that that's going to drive the results that we want. That's going to drive the business that we want to see moving forward, laying that foundation of, of the culture that we want to see in, in the restaurant. Well, you're a great leader. I love what you're doing with your team. I think you'll have a bright future ahead. And I'm looking forward to seeing how you uh, architect the culture that, that you're building right there. And so as you engineer that, design it, build it, invest in those leaders, making those generalist leaders that, that you need for those adaptable moments. So I really appreciate you being on the show with me today. I love uh, your story. And, and I just, I think there'll be an encouragement to other people either right where you're at or, or even, even a couple of steps behind you to think, okay, what's, what's my next challenge? So thank you for joining us here on Build Your Culture Brand. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This has been super fun. Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Visit our website at buildyourculturebrand.com for our free culture brand assessment. See you next time.
We would like to note that Leaders Q serves individual owner-operators and their teams and is not affiliated, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with Chick-fil-A Incorporated. 